Come along for the ride. I'm Bethel Duran. I used to deliver the LA Times into the news racks in the 90s with my dad. Now I get to host a podcast. Arrive early, leave late. Yes, you are lucky to have her, the one and only Tanya Ganguly, the pride of Arcadia High, Northwestern Wildcat, covering the Lakers, your third (laughs) NBA season. And if you check out the NBA preview section, and look, we all, come on now, we ain't looking for the NBA section. We're looking for the LeBron section. That's what it was (laughs) over the weekend. You had a one on one with LeBron James, and that's hard to do. What do you read? Well, I get referenced a lot of books. Right now, I'm reading uh, Havana Nocturnal okay. about the mob taking over Cuba, okay. but then it get, getting taken back because of, because of the uh, Revolutionary War. That sounds interesting. So um, it's about Meyer Lansky and all those guys when they were cool. Lucky Luciano and all those guys mm-hmm. back in the Prohibition days. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. Cool. That's interesting. It is. Do, you, do you read history a lot, or is it? I, am a, I love history. Okay. Um, I'll definitely read more and more about it. You gotta be careful with history because some people's depiction is is different forms of history. So right, you gotta right. be careful who who you read. Uh, um, but but some of it that that gives you like the visual as well is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Is there a time period that you relate to the most? Um, no, it's not a time period. Obviously, I, I look a lot about um, you know the twenties and the forties and, and the sixties, especially you know with the depression and, mm-hmm. and everything that African American people were going through mm-hmm. back in those days, not being able to step foot in right. certain places, work in certain places, obviously with women not being able to vote right. and not being able to ride in you know, front of the bus and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So I always kind of go back to those days to see what we as, as our people have gone through mm-hmm. over time. Um, but I also love the mob. I'm yeah. a huge mob fan. <laughs> um, you know, so going all the way back to those days of, you know, some of the greatest mob bosses. When I, I'm really interested in how, because I'm about the same age as you, and when I, I start, used to cover football, and in football, like there's nobody in an NFL locker room that's 19. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> and so, like when I came here, like it was so different for me because suddenly, I mean, this team was so young right. uh, until this year. Right. What's that like for you to? Because a lot of these guys are closer in age to your oldest son. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of kids out on this team that was born in the 90s, yeah. late 90s. Yeah. I mean, you look at you know. You know, one of my friends, Brandon Ingram, he was born, I think, 98, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, 97, possibly. So, you know, I was on my way getting ready for high school. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I think it's um, I think it's pretty cool to 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 know where they are at their, at their point in their lives mm-hmm. and, and how much more room for growth, not only as a basketball player, but as young men. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's exciting to be around. And they have that. They have those that young man energy, mm-hmm. you know, which is always great. What do you like about that? They're always excited about what's next. Mm-hmm. They're always excited about the next practice, the next shoot around, the next game. Yeah. They always like, they are energetic, you know. And um, you know, and like I said, for me, you know, being around energy, um, you know, seekers against energy givers, yeah. you know, and you know, to be around these givers, mm-hmm. you know, these guys want to give energy. We all want to give energy to each other instead of being around a lot of people that want to just take your energy, mm-hmm. you know, so you know, that, that definitely, um, it could be uh, something that can work very well. Is that a hard balance sometimes? Because you, it seems like, I haven't been around you that much, but it seems like you have sort of a switch that you flip sometimes when it's like business time. Um, and I wonder if like younger guys, like if they don't have that yet. Well, yeah, they, I mean, it's, I think it's, it would be a learning experience for them because yeah. I mean, some of them, they don't know. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so you can't you can't expect them to know. So that you have to understand that you have to guide them and, and, and teach them and, mm-hmm. and allow them to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I believe the big, best teacher in life is experience. So you, you have to allow them to make mistakes and fall on their face and be able to get back up from it and see how they can react to mm-hmm. that. So, um, you know, I am a very, very uh, business. I have a business approach when I come to work. Cause that's, what mm-hmm. I, that's how I should be. You come yeah. to work, you get your work done. But at the same time, you want to have fun doing whatever you do. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a line. It's a line, you know, in there, which is a really good line. A lot of these guys, like every time we ask them things about, I mean, Luke has said that, you know, nobody's starstruck, nobody's awestruck. They're just working and he's a teammate. LeBron's a teammate. It would be natural for them to think this is really cool. LeBron, you know, Alonzo had his, your poster on his wall growing up. I'm sure a lot of them did. Um, is, have you sort of set that tone that, like, this is not, like, they do not need to be in awe of you, like they shouldn't be? Is that something? I mean, I think we should we should all be in awe of each other if we're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's making plays on the floor. We should all be like, oh, shh. Dang, did you see what B.I. just did or Kuz? Mm-hmm. So, Josh Hart, did you see what he just did? That was like something that we wasn't all expecting. Mm-hmm. So we should all, if, we, if, we're, if we're serious about what we're here for and we put in the time, we should all have all moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, uh, I'm just, I'm one of the guys. Mm-hmm. One of the guys, I come in, I punch my clock in, uh, I put in my put my hard hat on, and I go to work every single day, just like the rest of them, um, you know. And I just want to lead those guys as much as they would like me to lead them, mm-hmm. as much as they want me to lead them. And um, and if I do something that's not um, in the better of the team, I would like one of them to say something to me too, mm-hmm. um, because that's what we're here for. Really interesting to hear LeBron describe that. And when you hear it, and then when you read your story, Tanya, like I was at home, I'm reading this, right? And I'm 40. My son is 13. We've been at the same tournaments where uh, Bronny's playing at because my son's also in the AAU world. Not on the same level because it's just a different world when Bronny's showing up. But I am around, and I, my daughter who's eight is showing me the wiggle dance for Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that dad who has no idea what's going on, but I pretend to know what some of the music is. Um, Young Dolphin? Is that what it was? Young Dolph. So, okay, okay. So See, LeBron, I'm not learning it right. <laughs> LeBron actually, so in our conversation, he talked a lot about wanting to understand that even though there's a lot that he learned from being a parent about how you lead different kinds of people, how you lead different, you know, younger people too. Um, and then we come out of our interview and we go to the to the scrum, we call it, right? So we, we're talking, a bunch of us are talking to LeBron at the same time after practice. This is a few hours later. And somebody asks him, are there things that you learn from your younger teammates? Like, are they teaching you about rappers or music or movies or something? And he goes, no, everything that they're into, my kids are into. And so, you know, I, I went around to some of the young guys on the team because LeBron in our interview, in our sit down, he did mention, he's like, yeah, it's crazy that Brandon Ingram was born when I was getting ready for high school. So <laughs> oh, he's on that stage of his life. Yeah. So because um, when I went to college, there was no Google. Yeah. For you, there was, right? Yeah, there was. Uh, yeah. It was just starting out. Yeah, so I, there was no email for me. So young Dolph. You'll learn about this, Tanya. 
<laughs> young Dolph came up when I was talking to Brandon Ingram. So I went to him and I said, LeBron said that because of you guys listen to stuff his kids listen to, or you guys do some of the stuff, so he's not surprised by it. And he said, uh, and Brandon started laughing, and then he said, yeah, yeah, there is a little bit of that. I listen to the same music as his son. And I was like, give me an example. So he said, young Dolph. So then we have that great quote from Josh Hart where he says, yeah, he isn't all those what J. Cole would call short bus rappers. So um, I think Josh was also a little resistant to the idea that he does like some of the things that LeBron's kids like. But then Josh thought about it for a second. He was like, well, I, I, I love to play video games, so I guess I can't really say anything. Yeah, Hart and his uh, Fortnite. You've, <laughs> you've done a lot of stuff in your career, Tanya. Did you ever think that you're going to ask people about LeBron, his son, and the rap music they listen to? <laughs> <laughs> it's the NBA. It's the it's NBA in 2018. What people are listening to, what people are reading, it's all very interesting to me. It really is. Tanya Ganguly, she'll be covering the Lakers all season long, her third season with them. Follow her at, her Twitter is? Tanya Ganguly. T-A-N-I-A. And we're going to check in with her all throughout the season and see what kind of tacos you can find in Oklahoma City. <laughs> Transitioning from the Lakers, which obviously be a heavy focus of the podcast once the season gets going because if you want to do something to get your numbers up you put lebron and and then your numbers spike up right down wiki that's what you do it's uh, everything i do i cover lebron james and the nba for lebron james and the los angeles Dubs. correct down wiki what is your title now you have a new job uh national nba writer i think <laughs> how about that right national nba i know writer. international even i went to canada to do this job already wait when do you get to go to like the fiba tournaments I'm working on it. Yeah, of course you would. I'm working on it. Yeah, we're going to see Dan Wojcik Depends on where the tournament is. Turkey. Nah. Italy. Okay, I'll be there. Uh, Milan. Oh, I'll be there for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Germany. Yeah, I'll go. During Oktoberfest. Okay, then Attaboy I might already Wojcik. be there. Attaboy Wojcik. Might already right. be there. So what does an NBA national writer actually do? I think the people in this town love basketball. This is a basketball town, right? At least it has been in my lifetime. Yep. And- you know that that love extends. I mean, you want to you, Wakey. Give me a good answer. You want, what does NBA writer do? I I go to these towns. I eat the food in the press room, and I talk to the best players in the world. There you go. It's Wakey. a pretty good deal. So the NBA bad food and good See, players. Wakey, if you want to be invited back to the podcast, you don't give me generic reporter answers like, "Oh yeah, about no, no." You give me good stuff, man. All right, I go for seconds. People's attention span is short on this podcast. I get the we brisket. Arrive early, I should get the brisket. Leave. Late. I arrive early. Leave late. And get extra food. That's what you have at Wiki. No, yeah. I, I mean, but no, it's the greatest. I get. I, I am not tethered to a team, right? So wherever the best story is, I get to go. It's great. For the NBA preview issue, you went to how many different cities? Three. You know, I went to Toronto because I think they made the probably the, the biggest non-Laker change. You know, they had the coach of the year. They fired him. They had a guy in DeMar DeRozan, an L.A. guy who had found a second home and, and really had grown into a... You know, a franchise great player, a guy whose number will be retired by the Toronto Raptors really? someday. I think. I mean, Compton. he's all-time leading scorer there. You know, okay. and, and and they had him. They were in a good, comfortable position where they were always going to be near the top of the East. And they decided to trade him for Kawhi Leonard, a guy that didn't play at all last year. So, so I went and checked them out a little bit. Um, a team that I think is uh, in a really interesting, probably the most important season of their franchise's history. Whether you talked to Kawhi, I did not talk to Kawhi. Shocker. I did not talk Shocker. to him. He whispered in my direction. No, no he didn't. I, no, he didn't. I talked to Masai Ujiri, though, the general manager. I talked to the head coach, Nick Nurse, uh, a guy who used to coach in Europe, like in England. Um, he coached for a team that uh, their nickname changed like four times during the time he coached for wait, them. Wait, wait, wait. Toronto's coach it used to be in England? Yeah. 
We're going to write about him down the road. Oh, for yeah, sure. you're, you're coming back for this. Yeah, for that sure. That means you got to go to London for to the story. You know, one of my one of my good friends wrote a story last year that one of the best coaches in English basketball history, his name's like Fabulous Flournoy or something like that. He's, he's an American player. Woiki, come on I'm now. In. It's a crazy league. It's a league that, you know, used to be popular, and then it went through a stretch where they would play in front of like 75 people. So if you're going to be the international reporter, we got to get- International NBA reporter. We got to get the stuff about the English basketball league. I know. Woiki. Arrive early, leave late. People want to know about in this. England. That's really early over there too. And then um, you also went to Houston. I went to Houston. You saw talk, your old buddy. Talked to Chris Paul. Oh, good, does, had, how's he doing? Do he's you, good. Does he's he miss good you? Ship. He does miss me because you used to be the Clipper. I got him writer. in trouble. I got him in trouble really early on down there in Houston. Yeah. Why? So when we were talking the first time I saw him, we were talking in a group, and um, I kind of he made some mention about how much fun their style is, and I kind of asked him like, "Well, what's fun about it?" And he said one of the things he said was that. You know, no one ever side eyes you or looks at you when you shoot too much. And I kind of was like, I know what you mean. You know, I mean, I covered the Clippers for six years. That team had some stuff um, always going on behind the scenes. There Who's were guys, he talking about? You know, that's a good question. Come I'm on, boy. I'm not 100% Come sure on. there. Who I can't you, tell you. Who do you think? I mean, I would guess probably. I mean, DeAndre was a guy who always wanted the ball more. Blake was a guy who always wanted the ball more. I mean, they're great players. A great bunch, players of, want the a ball. bunch yeah. of guys on the team. Yeah, I mean, Jamal liked to shoot. I mean, there are a lot of guys that like to shoot on that team. And, and so anyway, he had kind of said, and look, James Harden likes to shoot too, okay? And if James Harden's not getting his shots, like he'll side-eye Chris Paul in a second. So anyway, I kind of made some sort of joke. Well, somebody down there like was like, oh, he took a big shot at the Clippers. And then Chris had to go on TV and explain, like, nah, I was just talking to Dan. Like, Oh, he knows your name? Yeah, my first name, not my last. Yeah, there's no way he knows. But everybody knows you as Wokey. I know, except our boss on this podcast who thinks it's Wokey, Angel w- Rodriguez. Oh, hey, no politics on here, man. Don't be bringing the Wokey stuff around here. <laughs> and then what other city did you go to? Uh, I went to uh, Oakland to go see Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors. Does he know you? He knows me, yes. Really? A little. Okay. I, he said hi to me in Vegas. Okay. He's a polite young man. I feel like now you're making me like justify like, yeah, he knows me. Hey. You've been hey, around you, the NBA for a while, Wolf. Do you know who else knows me? Who? Vinny Del Negro. <laughs> Did you get him fired? Uh, no. I quit smoking the day he got fired. What? That was like my touchstone was whenever that season ended, I was going to quit smoking. And then he got fired and I quit smoking. That's how I always know when I quit. So you quit smoking? Yeah, five years ago. Congratulations. When Vinny Del Negro got fired. If he gets rehired, I have to start again. See, you you were brought up in the wrong era. You would have been the ultimate like 50s, 60s sports Ugh. writer with like a- I would have had so many fedoras. A, Pint of Jack in the in the briefcase, two packs of smokes a day. Couple of luckies, unfiltered luckies. I don't even know what that means, but sure, lucky strikes. That's like the the madman cigarettes. I've never touched a cigarette in my life, Wookie. Good for you. You're, uh, you're not missing much. Um, and I, I think <laughs> they're not a sponsor, are they? Better uh, not yet. Oh, we brought you by Paul Mall. Them too. <laughs> Warriors are that legit, huh? They still are. I mean, yeah. I, I think to me, their biggest thing is like, you know, how does a team that's so much better than everybody else? Stay motivated. And I think that's what's fun is when they re-sign a guy like DeMarcus Cousins or when they sign a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, a guy they don't need to sign, they can kind of disrupt their greatness, right? And, and to give themselves another challenge. And I, I think that's what's really interesting to watch with them. Three-peating's hard. NBA season is going to get going. Where will you be coming up? Like, you get to figure out wherever you want to go? I'm going to go see LeBron James. First game as a Laker. Okay. Um, And then I'm going to come watch Paul George first game back in Los Angeles after saying no to Los Angeles. Okay. And then I'm going to see Chris Ball come play the Lakers. Oh, so you're not, you don't get to travel. No, I'm going on the road. I'm going to Portland. Oh, they're in Portland? The Lakers are open in Portland. Is there like donuts in Portland? Voodoo there donuts? Are voodoo donuts in Portland. There's terrific fried chicken in Portland at Imperial. I've got some spots there. All right. Well, Portland's a good road town. We're going to, we're going to get to this. The top da- 10. 
you know, we might have a Dan Wojcicki food podcast oh by the time we're done with all this. A lot of salads, hopefully. Mix in the salads, baby. Mix in the salad. Because you wear those V-neck sweaters. You got to make sure that it still fit. Dan Wojcicki, LA Times, your sports. Uh, wait, what's your title? A national NBA writer. You know my Twitter handle, right? No, you, did you change it? No, because you gave it to me. Well, I, I, you know what, Wojcicki? Years ago. This podcast is for another time, but back when you showed up to this town wearing white Oakleys and Pete Carroll. Frosted tips? Uh, almost. And almost. look at you now. I know. NBA international man of mystery, Dan Wojcicki Sports. W-O-I-K-E is where you want to follow sports, him. Sports, because I cover sports. That was your logic. It was smart. Man, I'm having a lot of fun. Arrive early and leave late. But we're not done. Just got to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Basketball season is finally back. And you know what that means. It's time to put your basketball knowledge to the test with one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings. DraftKings is giving away millions of dollars in prizes this season. Put your basketball knowledge to the test, and you could get paid like the king. No matter what your skill level is, there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. Drafting your team is simple. Just select eight players and stay under the $50,000 salary cap. Earn points when your players score, assist, block, rebound, and more. The best part is you get to draft a new team every day without any commitment. There's no better way to turn your love of basketball into cash. Download the app or head over to DraftKings.com now and use code LA to support the show and play free with your first deposit. And remember, there will be millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs throughout the season. That's code LA to play for free with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for terms and conditions. Really excited for the NBA coverage that... Tanya and Dan will have, along with Brad Turner and the entire LA Times staff, pumped just to hear them talk, and we're going to get them a lot during the NBA season. And of course, LeBron's making news in LA, but so are the Dodgers. Now, for me, 30 years ago, I was at my house in Carson, I think it was 10 years old, saw the Kirk Gibson home run, and I popped out of the bed, and I hit my head on the ceiling, because, you know, the, the, the bunk beds, I was sharing it with my brother. And thinking, okay, the Dodgers are going to go World Series again. Last year, I saw them at the World Series, but they haven't won a World Series. And a man who was there in 1988 covering the Dodgers, you know him, you love him, the one and only Bill Plaschke, my favorite columnist at the LA Times. I got a question for you, Beto. So you were in bed. Gibson hit the home run. It was about 8.30 at night. So you were in bed at 8.30 at night? You were going to no, 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 no. bed that early? I was laying in a bed. In a bed? In a bed. Because there were seven kids. There's no room in the house. So there was, So you were watching the TV from your bed? I was watching the bed. TV from the bed, and then I jumped up from the bunk bed. It was the top bunk, and I hit my head on the ceiling, and I was like, wow, because I was a big Dodger fan, played baseball, and I was like, wow. So I knew the story about Jesse Orozco and the eye black, because I would read the LA Times. Believe it or not, Bill, my dad and mom were delivered the newspaper into the news racks, so I would help out. So I'd always read the sports page. So I knew the names of like Jim Murray and Alan Malama and Plaschke and uh, Mal Florence and all the names that the Times had. So I'm like thinking as a kid, they're going to the World Series again, but they haven't won one since 1988. Yeah, I had a similar incident in 88. I was in my seat in the auxiliary press box covering the game. I was doing one of the sidebars. So it's getting toward the end of the game. It's getting the last inning. I got to get downstairs. I got to get my quotes. The Dodgers are going to lose this game. Eckersley is on the mound for the A's. There's no way the Dodgers are going to win this game. So I get ready. I go to the elevator, and the elevator door opens, and I click it on the elevator, 
and they're getting ready to close, and this older woman in a walker's coming up. So, so the elevator operator holds the elevator, hold the elevator, hold on, you know, let this nice lady on the elevator. And as the nice lady's getting on the elevator, I hear the announcement, now batting Kirk Gibson. I'm like, holy crap! I jump out of the elevator just as it closed, ran back to my seat and saw the home run. No way. That, that was auxiliary the auxiliary press box is where? Uh, At the reserve right above, level? It's, it's reserve level right above the press box. So I was sitting up there, so I almost missed the home run. I saw it. I did a lot better than the dude who I think the most famous the most famous image of the home run is, of course, the pump fist. Yeah. The second most famous image is the brake lights. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. The lone brake lights of the dude in right field. <laughs> One dude who said, oh, my God, I'm trying to leave early, and I missed the greatest moment in baseball history. Well, that guy emailed me about a year ago and said, I'm no. the guy with the brake lights. And I'm like, I just don't know how to vet that. I don't know whether he's true or not. You know, I didn't know, you know, and I, so I was unsure about that guy. But that's, so that's the second most iconic image. You know what the most, the biggest mystery of the home run still is? 30, no. 30 years later, where's the ball? They never found the ball. Come on. You didn't know that. No. Beto, you've been in this town, long you've been in this town, you didn't know that. I have written columns and columns about this, trying to find the ball. The ball, back, this is back before memorabilia was a big thing. Yeah. So nobody really thought about running and getting it right away. They didn't have it right away. So nobody, if you look at the film, and I've looked at the Zapruder film of this thing, broken down, it lands at the feet of some guy who picks it up. Yeah. So that's all we know. I spent several years trying to find him. Finally, the guy, I'm convinced, it's the guy, emailed me, contacted me, said, yeah, I'm the guy in that picture. You've been looking for me for all these years. I had the ball. I said, had the ball? I said, where's the ball? He said, well... I gave it to my girlfriend. I said, no, I'm, I'm, no, not no, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. All right, I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet. I said, I, I'm so, mad already. So I gave it to my girlfriend. I said, okay, so where is she? Well, we broke up. You broke up? So what happened? She said, we broke up. So what did you do with the ball? Well, she gave it to her father. Where's her father? He's dead. He's dead? I said, so what happened to the ball? And he said, well, I gave it to my girlfriend. We broke up. I said, you know, dude, really bad. That's a bad breakup. Mm. That's a bad break. You got mm. if you give somebody a Gibson ball, that's gotta be that's like a wedding ring, right? It's anyway, better. It's better. Yeah, anyway. So she gave gave him the ball. She uh they, they broke up. He called her and said, Where's the ball? I need I, I'm you know, I'm sorry we're not together anymore. Can I can I get the ball in the in the divorce? She said, No, I give it to my dad. He said, Fine, I'll come over and get it. Come over, come over next week or next month. My my dad's got it. Well, her father passed away suddenly. And he rushed over to the house to pay his condolences and also look over the shoulder of the mourners. <laughs> Where's that freaking ball? God rest your soul. He was a good man. Where's my baseball? That's how that, okay? So he said, well, it, he, put it, he put it in a garage. He put it in a oh. shoebox in the garage. So he says, well, listen, can I? And so he's passing, he's going through the tray of, of cold cuts and having the, having, the, having the drinks and, you know, mourning with the family. And he sneaks his way out to the garage to look. And the garage is empty, barren. <laughs> and he comes back and he says, what happened? He says, oh, right before his death, God rest his soul, he had a, he had a garage sale. Oh, sold everything. No, and no, the ball is no. gone forever. This is the story of the missing baseball. Gibson tried to find it. I tried to find it. This is the closest I've come to believing in a story about it. And this guy went through the whole thing. He was crying on the phone with me, saying he had the ball and lost it. So now, of course, whoever bought that, that got that ball in that shoebox, if they had any idea what it was, it wouldn't be, it'd be impossible to authenticate now. So that's oh so that is God. lost. That is lost forever. That is remains 
the biggest mystery in L.A. sports other than... That might be all sports history because that, that should be at the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, it yeah. should be on display somewhere for... You know, how many Dodger fans would make the Holy Grail to go see that ball? Oh, yeah. And, then and, and, and of course, Gibby then sold a lot of his stuff yeah. for, for money, he needed money, sold a lot of his stuff after that. But that was the Holy... Oh, outside of whether God. Outside of whether the ghost of Hank Gathers is in uh, the pavilion at, at LMU, this is the biggest mystery in oh, L.A. sports. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it was 30 years ago, and it was incredible. So Gibby hits a home run, and my other favorite part of the story... Can I keep talking about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, go. I'm like, I'm going to stop you. Because this, this is, I mean, this is this is a legacy. This is why you wonder why people are so crazy right now for the Dodgers to win. Why they've been so crazy for the Dodgers for so many years. Why 30 years is too damn long for this to happen again. Because this was special. The Dodgers owned this town, Betro, back mm-hmm. then. Forget, this, forget the Lakers. The Dodgers owned this joint. They ran this town. It, it was during Showtime basketball, And too. it didn't matter. Because okay. they were old school L.A. Even today, you look at the at the crowd at, at uh, oh, yeah. Chavez Ravine, it looks like L.A. Oh, yeah. More so than it's any di- other so diverse. sport. It's so diverse. Yep. So wonderfully. Uh, it's, it's In all sections, too. In all sections. Anyway, so the other mother favorite story, though, of the Gibson home run is the, uh, when he, you know, you know, remember, he's sitting down in the trainer's room during the game, mm-hmm. and he can't walk, and he hears Vince Scully say on the TV, Gibby cannot play today. He's yeah. not going to play today. So I'm going to go out and show him. Mm-hmm. Well, there's nobody downstairs to help him out except a bat boy named Mitch Poole. He's a kid bat boy. So he said, Mitch, come over here. This is during the game. Remember, game one of the World Series, Dodgers-Oakland A's. Dodgers really heavy underdogs. So Gibson's their, their, their hero, and he can't play. It's like the sixth, sixth or seventh inning. So he, he enlists Mitch Poole to help him get dressed, to help pitch him balls in the cage, to put balls on a tee for him in the cage. Finally, in the ninth inning, he tells Mitch, go tell Tommy I'm ready. He says, what? He says, yeah, go to the dugout and tell Tommy I'm ready. Mitch is wearing gym shorts and a T-shirt. He's not allowed in the dugout. He's a backup bat boy. He says, I can't do it. He says, Mitch, you got, there's no other way to get out there. you got to tell him I'm ready. So Mitch goes to the end of the dugout. And everybody's saying, what are you doing here, Mitch? And he screams. You know, Tommy's set at the far end, mm-hmm. away from the tunnel. So Mitch is screaming at Tommy. Yeah, because the tunnel is closer to the third base. Dugout, right, right. Third base than it is the, right. the so on-deck circle. Tommy, Tommy. Well, sort of looks at him and says, you get the hell out of here. I'm trying to manage a World Series game. Somebody get that kid. Tell that kid to shut up. And he said, Tommy, Tommy. And he's scared to death. And he said, Tommy, Gibby can play. Gibby can play. What? Gibby can play. Holy crap. Gibby can play. So Tommy runs, <laughs> runs in there, grabs Gibson. The rest is history. So fast forward 25 years. They finally, Gibson finally admitted Allowed the Dodgers to give him a bobblehead. Yeah, they allowed. He didn't really want anything. He, he wanted nothing to do with it. Right? Yeah, yeah. He just wanted to. You know, he wanted to be a team victory. He's the manager of the, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. So he came back to town. They gave him a bobblehead, and he said he could throw out the first pitch. And Gibby finally agreed to do it. So they announced it. Throw out the first pitch. Kirk Gibson standing ovation. Out to the mound walks this middle-aged guy in shorts and a t-shirt. Guess who it was throwing the first pitch for Gibson at Gibson's request. Mitch Poole. No way. Mitch Poole. He gave wow. it. Yes. He, he honored him because of all those years later. And nobody had any idea what was going on. And Mitchell threw the first pitch for Gibson. Yeah, he, Mitch Poole is now the Dodgers equipment manager. He was. He was a clubhouse manager. Now he's a visiting clubhouse Yeah, manager. now he's running the show. He's, he's, he's great a great guy. Great guy. I didn't know all Wow. That's why oh, Bill Plaschke. There's is all be, kinds of oh. stories. So that's why the Dodgers, the 88 was so special and so unlikely. And the most unlikely team maybe to ever win a World Series. Honestly. And... Fans have just been hunger for that and hungry for that. And now, in recent years, they've had so much money and so much talent, and they still haven't gotten it done. And that's why fans just 
are longing for it. And then to have it go to Game 7 last year was devastating. It, should, it I almost wish it hadn't even gotten to the playoffs at all. To oh. go to lose in Game 7, devastated the town, devastated the team, devastated them for the first couple months of this year. It's a hungry town for this thing. And, AI, 88, and that's why, because 88, the legend of 88 lives on. And the legend is Bill Plaschier. He's going to have a huge role on the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast. Thank you. Yes, so I'm much. glad it's called Arrive Early, Leave Late as a play on because Dodger fans, all LA fans, yeah. are the best. They're the best sports fans Heck in the world. Yeah, they are. They're smartest. They're the most sophisticated fans in the world. And if they arrive late, it's because of traffic. And if you leave early, it's because you ain't entertaining them. <laughs> I, have never, I have never been to a game. Decided in the last minute where anybody left early in this town, ever. Ever. You try to get out of Dodger Stadium after a ninth-inning victory, you Forget can't get out. Forget it. Forget it. All right, Angel, don't get all emotional. I know you heard that, and you're thinking, man, my goodness, Bethel used to deliver the LA Times, and now I hired this guy living the dream? But why did you hire me? Well, And can uh, you afford me? <laughs> you're here, so obviously, yes. So we've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time. It's been something that, as an organization, we've wanted to do. Thankfully, now we have leadership that has given us the runway to get these things done. And so that's what we're doing now is actually we're in a studio. We have microphones. We have a budget. Uh, we're doing this right. And before, we sort of did this very lo-fi and by the seat of our pants. Now we're trying to do this right. And really, the point is to highlight our journalism in the best way possible. That's a very professional answer there. It, it is. And what is your title once again? I was recently promoted, so now I'm assistant managing editor for sports. Basically, my functions are still the same. I'm still the sports editor, so I handle all the, you know, the sort of the management aspect of the sports department. You sound like a very professional man who has an office, probably. I I, I have an office. And your name is? Angel Rodriguez. Angel Rodriguez? The sports editor of the LA Times? Angel Julio. Oh, Angel Julio. Uh Uh-huh. So AJ Rod? Well, that's my Twitter handle because I couldn't have the uh, I, I was I wasn't early enough on the A Rod to get A Rod, but AJ Rod so is AJ Rod is where you want to send your complaints or your thoughts or your observations <laughs> or if you want to tell everybody that you, they love the podcast so much. Angel Rodriguez, the sports editor of the LA Times, is what I'm gonna call you. And then when I tell people who I know you, you're also the managing editor, assistant managing. Oh, editor. assistant! That's that's a big job. It's a big it's a big title. Yeah, it's a but, big title. But, uh, Do you I have get, a door on your office? I have a door. I have a lock. Oh! Uh, but I but, need to stop playing around that. I need <laughs> no, to stop playing but, around. I mean, um, to shift a little bit more of the focus here, uh, the, the this podcast I think is going to be something that I hope the, the listeners really appreciate yeah. because it's really going to be highlighting the journalism that we do, the reporters that we have, the interactions they have with you to sort of tell the, the behind the scenes stories. Uh, which I think is is really important and something that we've needed to do for a long time. And on a serious and, note, the, uh, not to cut you off there, Angel, nope. but you're the sports editor of a newspaper, but yet you guys are launching a podcast. Yes. And why? Well, because I, obviously it's a format. We're probably a little late to the game in the sense of a lot of people have been doing podcasts for a long time. They've been doing it really well. I think in our case, what we're looking to do is to get our journalism out in different platforms. This seems like a natural fit with Los Angeles. Now that we've, as the Los Angeles Times has moved to El Segundo, I now have a 40-minute commute. It seems like a perfect opportunity for people to get caught up with sports, uh, sports news, sports journalism, and really sort of the behind-the-scenes stuff that we try to do and to get our listeners 
sort of caught up with everything that that's happening in the world of sports that maybe goes beyond just what you read in the newspaper or online. And so we feel like this is just a, a natural format for our journalism. One of the advantages we have here, as opposed to a lot of other newspapers, is we have a fairly extensive travel budget. So we're at events that a lot of people aren't. And so what we're going to try to do is get you the story there while we're there, it's to get you the story and get you the headlines. One example I keep bringing up in a lot of these meetings when I was selling this concept was we had Helene Elliott at the U.S. Open women's final when Serena had that, I'm not going to say meltdown because that's a, kind of a loaded term, but had that interaction with the referees. We were there and she wrote a great column. We could have easily done a podcast that mm-hmm. night and gotten that reaction because we're there. Kevin Baxter is with the U.S. women at the World Cup qualifying, you know. Uh, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. And so being able to take people to where the events are happening and provide a little bit of background on on what's happening and sort of the inside story, I think, is something we need to do. And, you know, all our people are pretty much on a lot of radio stations. They're doing yeah. a lot of other stuff. We just thought it was good to bring everything in-house. To put it in perspective, how many people are on the sports department staff? How many writers you got? Uh, I think we're in the mid-20s right now. Uh, we've just added three, so uh, I, I don't have the exact count, but it's in the mid-20s. If you're working for the other times, you're a rock star. Like You might not have that big-time personality where you're on TV shouting all the time, but to get to the LA Times, that's the Yankees, that's the Dodgers, that's the Lakers. It's the epitome of where you want to be in the newspaper world. Yeah, it, I mean, it really is. I was talking with the job candidate, uh, kind of a well-known uh, person I won't name just yet. Hopefully, we'll, <laughs> hopefully we'll be able to to get them signed up recently. And and he said when we were doing the interview, they said uh, well, this is one of the papers that's on the Mount Rushmore of U.S. journalism. Yeah. And that really put it in perspective for me. It's like he was like, of course, I want to work here. Like this is one of the preeminent news organizations in the country. And I think now with the leadership of Dr. Patrick Shunshong, local ownership, we're kind of getting our swagger back a little bit. And, it feels and, like it. And, um, it feels like it. I mean, we're here in a podcast studio. You know, and we can do whatever get, we want with this podcast, right? I mean, to an extent. We'll, with journalistic instincts. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't go to like Culiacan and do a podcast? Uh, it, well, maybe Sinaloa with uh, Kevin Baxter. See, there we go. Then, okay, so the podcast, we're going to slowly roll it out. We're going to bring you the stories from the voices of the writers. But like you said, if Helene is at Wimbledon and we want to talk to her, we could break in news, we could do a podcast there. Yep. NBA Finals, we can do one every single night if we want to. We have the capability to do stuff like that. Yep. The Dodgers in the World Series. Like if that Boom. happens, um, as we slowly get going, I think, you know, we have just a, a little perspective. I mean, we have right now covering the Dodgers in the in the NLCS, both at home and on the road, we have uh Bill Plaschke, Dylan Hernandez, Andy McCullough, Jorge Castillo, and Bill Shaken. Yeah, five uh, people on the yeah, and then we have Maria Torres is at the, the ALCS. AL. Yeah, I saw that. Who is, so it, when they make the World Series, if they make the World Series, sorry, um, wherever it is, Boston, Houston, we'll have six people covering the thing. And that doesn't include a videographer. That doesn't include uh, two photographers. Wally Stanley did an amazing uh, I shot. I mean, our photographers are great. So we will then be able to bring that, you know, all those stories That's that cool. all they have is cool. is um, is what we're really trying to get across. All so, right, so are we going to do a, a weekly, like, Ask Angel segment? Um, if the readers and the listeners want that, sure, you can, we can, okay. we can, we can do that. First question. Can Bethel get more money? 
I, I think he needs to get money first. <laughs> he needs to get he needs to get his first paycheck, and then he can make make a decision. I thought you were going to answer with you don't even have a badge to get in the building, kid. You still got a visitor. He has a sticker that says Beto Duran <laughs> on it, uh, but uh, we'll we'll get there. And the name of it, uh, it was the arrive so, early, arrive early, leave, leave late. late. You're from Houston, right? Right. So you probably made fun of the LA people for showing oh, up late. Oh, totally, totally. You know, and now? One, of, one of the things, uh-huh. one of the stereotypes. Uh, both, you know, I remember growing up in Houston when it was like the Ralph Sampson, Hakeem Olajuwon playing the Magic Kareem. I hated those teams. You know, it was always the stereotype. It was, you know, the Beat LA. I lived in Phoenix for a long time and those Beat LA chants were 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 uh, prominent. I take it as a badge of honor. Like, you wish you were in LA. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's, it's very much that people care about you. So that's mm-hmm. what they want to beat they you. They don't boo nobodies. That's exactly right. And so what and what so that stereotype was very prominent even up, up until recently. You know, we, the game 163, there was a lot of comments about, <sighs> you know, the fact that it wasn't completely sold out. And if it was in Colorado, it'd be sold out. But being here now and understanding the passion of the sports fan base, I think we just wanted to flip that. And so it's, you know, it, it very much is arrive early, leave late. And along those same lines. Our journalists are those people that are one of the first people in the building. They're one of the last people to leave. I mean, you've done a lot of boxing. They basically have to kick Lance Pugmire out of the oh, T-Mobile yeah. because it's you know Shaking they, they got to move noon. on. And so you know Gary Klein is one of the first people oh, in, in in at at whatever Rams game he's at. He's one of the first people there. Like he'll show up at like eight o'clock in the morning for yeah. a, when he was covering SC. He was there before Pete Carroll. <laughs> he was there so, before they were talking the field. Right. So I mean that's one of those things where it's sort of the more we talked about the name of the, and so many sports podcasters have such cliched names and all right. that stuff has just been done. You know, extra time, overtime. You know, all that stuff. Sports animals. Right. So it's like we wanted to think of something that was, was uniquely cool. LA, uniquely LA and. So that's, you know, hopefully the name sticks and we'll keep doing it and it'll it'll be around a long time. And we're going to take people on their drive to work, on their drive home, on their ride. Uh, well, let's do the basic stuff. Huh? On their hike at Runyon Canyon <laughs> or when they're getting their latte. Exactly. No, we're not exactly. going close cliches. We're getting, this is for the working man, for the sports person who loves their L.A. teams. We're going to take you there behind the scenes. We're going to show you this, the world. And Angel Julio <laughs> Rodriguez. Where did you go to school? Uh, University of Texas. Yeah, we'll, we'll let that go. He's the editor of the <laughs> LA Times Sports page. Thank you very much, and thanks, we're going to make you proud Beto. with this, man. Thank you. Thank you, Beto. And welcome aboard. Can I get a sticker? You, you, you can. Maybe we'll get you a real badge at some point. All right. One day. One day you'll have a badge. I don't want that. <laughs> you do a podcast, and it flies by, right? Or you're driving around, and you're like, wait, well, are we done? Yeah, we're done. And I'm looking at my phone right now, and I'm getting these messages like, hey, congratulations on the podcast. Hey, when can I come on? Hey, you know what? You're all going to come on. Easy, LA Times people. We're going to get you all onto the show. Tanya, Dan Wojcicki, obviously with the NBA around the corner. Bill Plaschke of World Series Talk. Hopefully we can get that going, and we're going to continue to evolve. Any ideas, any suggestions, let me know. My Twitter, Durant Sports. Angel Rodriguez, very active on social media. AJ Rod, he's the sports editor. You heard him. Like, he's the big boss. He's not going to come back. But, you know, the big boss is always watching and paying attention. And it was fun. The first one, really had no idea what we are going to do. But it rolled. And we're done. And we'll keep on coming. And there's so many cool stories. And the beauty about working at the LA Times, and these are people that I've been in locker rooms with, clubhouses with for years, know them. And there is no rivalry when you're in the media. It's not like when you're watching TV or a movie and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm asking a question and you're elbowing. No, no, no. We all know each other. We know what's up. It's like, hey, cool. Let's go ahead and talk. 
and let's get to know these everybody's story. And that's one of the things. The writers might be writing a story, but they all have their own story. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make the newspaper that we're going to talk about here on Arrive Early, Leave Late. Thanks a lot to Angel Rodriguez and everybody at the LA Times. But of course, can't do it without the people behind the scenes, engineered by Mike Heflin, who made it sound all smooth. He might be from St. Louis. We're going to get him that Dodger hat. Get him a Laker hat. He knows what's up. And it's produced by Dave Wine. <sighs> Dave Wine. Doesn't it sound like a producer name? Something smooth, right? You know what? Just for that, I'm going to go ahead and make some Cabernet, Dave Wine. Thank you guys as always. Uh, coming up, though, another episode. More talk about LA sports. And we couldn't do it without you. Keep those suggestions coming. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Anywhere you listen, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google, whatever it is you go and you listen to your podcast, subscribe, let people know, share, share, and share. Yeah, that's why Shane was begging. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. Arrive early, leave late. Hosted by Bethel Duran, an LA Times Studios production.